Today on Melanated Conversations, we amplify the voice of Lisa Butler. Lisa is a licensed clinical social worker in private practice. For over 20 years, she has worked with women and girls to help facilitate emotional healing. She specializes in mother-daughter conflict, self-esteem, forgiveness, shame, and anxiety. Lisa believes that most of our challenges begin with our thoughts about ourselves, others, and the world. In today's chat, Lisa shares her own personal story of transformation from an airline stewardess to helping women and girls facilitate mental and emotional health. And she shares her expertise on how we can cope through our own anxiety during this global pandemic. Listen in as we chat with Lisa Butler. Welcome to Melanated Conversations. Our narrative and our perspective. Here on the podcast, we are amplifying the voices of Black women and sharing their powerful stories of transformation. I'm Tyrion. And I'm Yana. Let's start the show. Welcome back to another episode of Melanated Conversations. I'm your co-host, Darian. And I'm your co-host, Yana. Um, And yeah, uh, welcome back to our listeners. So normally, we're going to change things up just a little bit today. Normally, we would start off with um, a round of rapid fire questions with our guest today, Miss Lisa Butler. I'm sorry. Yay. Thank you for joining us today, Lisa. (laughs) No problem. I'm so happy to be here. So honored. Thank you. Yeah. So normally, like I said, we would have our round of rapid fire just to get everybody warmed up and comfortable and relaxed. But we just figured we would just kind of go straight into our conversations today. Um, so we're, we're being a little bit unconventional. Um, and this topic that we're talking about, that we're going to talk about today is a little more serious, um, especially in light of, you know, probably what the majority of us are dealing with right now. Not just, I think everyone right yeah. now. Um, dealing with the the whole coronavirus epidemic or COVID-19. Um, and, you know, life is, is changing drastically for us right now. Um, and it's just, for some, life has been, you know, put on a halt. So we just want to kind of talk about that a little bit today. And, and um, yeah, we have it. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tarian. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, we just have a special expert on um, joining us today to kind of yes. um, just talk to us and, and ease our minds a little bit as we navigate through, you know, this this current state that we're in right now. Um, so just, you know, join us today um, in this discussion. Um, we are coming to you with Miss Lisa Butler. Yay. Yay. Hello. So Lisa, um, again, thank you so much for for joining us today. We we are um we we definitely appreciate you saying yes and having this conversation with us is so timely and is needed. Um and we just want to just open the floor to you and um if you could just kind of start with sharing a little bit about, you know, you and a little bit about your origin story. Okay. Well, we could be talking about that for a whole hour. <laughs> um, I'll try to cut it down. So I'm old. So um, so first of all, thank you both, Ayana and Tarian, for having me. I had no idea about your podcast until um, uh, Monique reached out to me with this opportunity. And so now I'm excited about it and I can share it with other people, which I intend to do. 
Um, a little bit about me. Um, well, little lot. Um, so I'm a, I'm a licensed clinical social worker in private practice in Chicago. And for the last 20 plus years, I've been working primarily with African-American women and girls around topics um, of stress and anxiety, depression, trauma, uh, mother-daughter conflict, and um, other kind of mental health issues. And I've done uh, group work and individual work. Um, and I'm still doing, well, I do individual work now. I'm getting ready to start um, some new groups coming up soon. But um, I was 16 when I decided that I needed to understand better how people, why people did what they do, why people, why people behave in the ways that they behave. And it started with kind of my own life at 16 being a little chaotic and really having low self-esteem, but I had a class in high school. I went to Hyde Park High School here in Chicago, and we had a psychology class, and my psychology teacher was no joke, Dr. Dr. Murray, and she made us get a subscription to Psychology Today. As a part of the class, we had to read the articles and write reports, and it was really the beginning of my love for uh, behaviors, and so from there, I started reading all kinds of books. I remember being 16, reading The the Dance of Anger by Harriet. <laughs> like, what 16-year-old is reading this? But I remember reading that book and just reading so many others over the years because I truly wanted to know, um, you know, why we do what we do and how we can change and do something mm-hmm. different. And so that really kind of started... Um, this path that I've taken over the years. So I left high school and went to um, a college here in Chicago called Columbia, walked out <laughs> and then decided I was going to go and be a flight attendant. Oh, and I wanted to be a flight attendant. Airlines for 10 years from 89 to 99. I started when I was 20, 20 years old and um, did that for 10 years. But during the course of that time, decided that my life was probably a little bit bigger than passing out Coke and ginger ale on the airplane. <laughs> and um, I really wanted to go back to, you know, the whole, I, you know, trying to figure out how I could fit into the world of uh, helping people live different, better lives. And so went back to school uh, while I was flying. And um, at some point during my tenure at United, I was volunteering for a teen parent program on the South side of Chicago called the Young Parents Program. And I was a group facilitator for the teen moms. And the person who was running that program left, had to leave suddenly to take care of her mom. And I was offered the position at a $17,000 pay cut. Um, but the it was a master's preferred position at the time. And I was like, I don't have a bachelor, so <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna get it. But um, there's a special woman in my life who, who I just saw recently. Her name is Patricia Washington. She was running that program. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I really want you to have the program. And so if you interview for it, for it and you do well, I, I'll, I'll do what I need to do on the back end to get you the position. And that that was the start of my social work experience. So, uh, yeah. And so then I went back to school and um, did what I needed to do so that I could do this work full time. So... I assume, obviously, the interview went very well for you. Oh, it did. (laughs) How long did you stay in that role? And do you still have connects with that program? 
That program is gone. Um, I was in that role for about three or four years, maybe five years. And while I was in that role, I also started, because I was working with teen moms and running groups for them. And while doing that work with them, decided in my own mind that I should start another program for girls who were not pregnant, were not did not have children. And Nobody in my family's ever had a business before. And here I am like, oh, okay, I'll just go ahead and start a program called Black Girl Inc. And got a vendor number from Chicago Public Schools and started running groups in Chicago Public Schools and did that for you till 2014. So what specifically did you do in Black Girl Inc.? Was that, what was the age range of the girls that you worked with? So Black Girl Inc. was centered, well, the girls were 12 to 20. Okay. And... The work that I that we did with that program was really just to increase African American girls' self esteem and through like critical thinking and exposure to to things. I mean, back then I remember always thinking that people had the same opportunities, you know, to go do the stuff that I had done as a young woman. You know, go downtown, go to Marshall Fields or Macy's, or you know, go to dinner. And I realized while I was working with the girls at the Y that that was not the case for most young women in, you know, in urban Chicago. So a lot of the program we spent taking them places, um, running these support groups where girls would come every week, um, either during the school day or after the school day and talk about different topics every week that they sent that, that they would come up with sometimes and then other times I would come up with them. It was really kind of curriculum driven and we would take them places and have guest speakers and every group had food and I loved it. That was some of my best work, I think, to date. Didn't have the tools that I have now in terms of kind of the understanding of, at the beginning of of Black Girl Inc., understanding of of the theory, right, behind the work, you know, that I'm doing. But uh, I hope I didn't mess those kids up. One of the things I didn't, and I definitely didn't have at that point either, was boundaries. So those girls had my phone number, could call me anytime, damn night. Wow. And uh, yeah, that wasn't the best. But uh, I loved them, and I wanted to make myself available to them, and so I did. And although I would never do that at this point, I I really, that work was just amazing, and um, I'm glad I was able to to do that. Yeah, so kind of segueing just a little bit so applying kind of what you did in you know in that time and even now I know a big piece that you do in in your line um, of work is that you really help people cope with trauma and anxiety so can you kind of share with us as we you know segue into the topic about around you know the coronavirus pandemic that's going on Um, What concerns do you have in the space as a mental health care professional around this pandemic that's going on right now? Well, I have quite a few concerns, you know, my own concerns, obviously, about the change in our lives at this at this moment in time that's impacting everything and everybody. But my concerns have really been about because I have quite a few clients who have anxiety, who have panic attacks a bunch of young women who are already taking medication for their anxiety because they can't manage it just with therapy at this point. And so um, that's one of my concerns. The other concern I have is folks who are already suffering from depression as well, because if you are watching the television or on social media, 
with either depression or anxiety right. and just just allowing yourself to be bombarded with the amount of information and 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 change yes. and everybody's opinion and yeah. you know it's it's overwhelming to people who are grounded now right. I'm <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. I was just about to say that. I was like, I, I don't, nece- I wouldn't necessarily call myself a person that suffers from you know depression or anxiety. But man, the overload of information that is not that's not surrounded by positive news. It is like at night, I'm like, okay, I've got to like, I, I can't anymore. I can't look at anything else. I can't watch any more news. I've got to turn on something. I have to turn on like living single. I have to watch something nostalgic. <laughs> yes. Before I go to sleep. But even it just, it's too much. Right. And yeah, even you know? but it, but it's like it's everywhere. So not even just like when you turn on the news, but you know, we we are kind of like just governed kind of a little bit by our phones. We're always near by our devices and no matter where you turn, where and I know we're talking about this now on the podcast, but, you know, you turn everywhere you turn. It seems like that is what is, you know, that's that's the topic. And it's this you enter in this space of where you want to create this level of balance of being informed. Um, you want to know what's going on because you, you want to make sure that you're being responsible and doing your part and making sure that you can help curve what's going on. But you don't want to, but it still creates this level of overwhelm because it's such, it's just flooding us constantly. Um, Yes. And I think I'm 50. So I've been on the planet for 50 years and I have never experienced anything like this. And when you start talking about limiting people's autonomy and freedom, you know, it gets, that's scary. Because, you know, and all of us have seen all these movies over the years, right? So, what's happening? So, yeah, just, you know, my concerns are people who who are, you know, do have anxiety that is going to be obviously increased during this time. Folks who are suffering from depression and now having to isolate themselves, right? So, if you're a single person or an older person and you live by yourself, um, now I'm thinking about not, you know, having a lot of social contact except via telephone, things like that. So, um, and then my other thing is, you know, uh, older adults are uh, a demographic that, um, whose suicide rates are generally higher anyway. And Mm -hmm. so now you have this demographic being really impacted um, Mm -hmm. by this particular virus. Um, It's deadlier for them. And, and then you're going to add on top of that, and I'm going back to them just kind of having to isolate spend a lot of time by themselves, um, I'm concerned that there will be an uptick uptick in um, suicide among older people. And, and maybe in general, just because I, I it, this is an interesting space to be in. And if you don't have uh, the benefit of therapy and people and, and or, or, you know, some spiritual tools and grounding, then your thoughts can take you to a lot of really dark places at this point in our in our lives in this point in time in, in, in just the United States and what's going on. So I have quite a few concerns about folks now. Yeah. So so with individuals in particular who already suffer from anxiety and fear and then you add this on top of it. How, how can people go about unpacking some of that or being able to cope with their anxiety and fear 
particularly in this situation? So uh, it's 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 going to sound simple, but it's not. <laughs> so one of the things I'm telling my clients right off the bat, all all weekend, and the folks that I talked to yesterday, the person I'm going to talk to tonight, um, is turn off your television. Give yourself a break from this. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it was you, Tyrion, or you, Yana, who said that you are watching Living Single. I'm not sure which one of you said yeah, that. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I do too, yeah. though. <laughs> so, yeah. Find something to watch that's funny and light um, and get off social media. And I, I don't know about you all's pages, but I got a lot of intellects who are very cynical on my page, and if I look at my page all day, I I, I would just, I would know this was Armageddon, and we were getting ready to die. They, yeah. Yeah. That's all they're talking about. Was and, and so much so much cynicism, and and it's really just coming from a place of fear, and I understand that. But it it's I had to get off. I can't and and you know just and and um to intake all of that. So I would say that's one of the first things I would recommend that people do. I would also recommend if you're taking anxiety medications that you continue to take them, obviously, as they've been, as they've been prescribed to you. Definitely. Um, you don't want to um, not take any medications that you're on for depression or anxiety without um, your doctor's knowledge. And um, the other thing that I'm telling people, too, is to anxiety to me, ladies, is constant thinking, worrying usually about future things, right? So I tell my clients all the time, you know, you're in the moment, right? You're not in those thoughts. Those thoughts are taking you to some place in the future. Mm -hmm. And if you could just for a second, put your feet on the floor and take some really deep breaths. You can do uh, techniques that I call 444 and 777, which are just really basic kind of mindfulness meditation um, uh, practices, breathing exercises, where you take these deep inhalations in, count on a hold, hold it, and then uh, exhale on the, on the count. So, um, and if you can't do that, go someplace, get still, and put your feet on the floor and talk to yourself. Hey, come back here. You, you over there. I need you to come back over here. Right. And understand that right now, today, at this moment, you're safe. Uh, hopefully your needs are being met and that whatever those thoughts are, they're, they're not happening to you at the moment. And that's really effective if you can make that a practice, which is something I need to say, because, we, you know, you can do that once and then not do it again for several weeks. But and then you notice that your anxiety is not really changing. The things that I'm talking about today have to become practices. Mindfulness is not a uh, one-hit quit. Yeah. Those are practices that you have to do on a regular basis in order for them to help you get back to a place of peace and centeredness. So I definitely um, have been doing a lot of mindfulness techniques with my clients, um, virtually and in person, just over the years, because I think it's important, uh, specifically as it relates to are reducing anxiety. Yeah. One thing I want to add um, just kind of on to that is because this is something that is like a big concern for me, especially more so now that, you know, most schools are out, you know, kids are home. And sometimes, you know, for unfortunately for some kids, the school is their space of, you know, their comfort, their, their place of comfort. Um, 
And right now, we might have kids right now that are in isolation, that may have already been in depression. Um, even might even have parents that are trying to navigate and cope. And, you know, they're trying to navigate being, you know, still trying to work. If some that are working are having to go out there and still, you know, make sure that they can, you know, bring in a steady income during this and they're having to make that choice and we're face we're all in this kind of space of making conscious decisions but also I think sometimes our mental health can kind of be put on the back burner um how do we unpack that how like for those that you know and just being very frank you know from speaking from the black perspective we really haven't been very, this topic hasn't just been, uh, I mean, it's thankfully it's now becoming more and more of a frequent conversation, but we haven't had a constant thread of being able to navigate through our mental health and really unpacking the anxiety and fears and things and talking to someone about what's going on in our experiences. So how do we even take it to that basic level and take those steps? So I think what you're, what you're asking, I think I understand it. So for me, um, that's one of the reasons why I went into this field um, with such passion is because my work has always been centered with Black women and Black girls, Black people. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, we haven't been privileged enough over over the years to even think about our mental health or emotional or emotional health. Um, the only the only thing that we had was Jesus in the church in large mm-hmm. part. Yes. Um, and which is helpful and very much a protect a protective um, uh, space for us in our community for sure. Um, but I think now people are seemingly very open to it. In in my therapy office in the waiting area, because there are other therapists in there, lots of African American female therapists in the space that I work in. It's a bunch. It's, it's jam packed on Thursday evenings when I'm there with a lot of young African American women and men waiting to see somebody. So something is shifting in, in that in the perception of, you know, I'm not crazy. I don't need to talk yeah. to somebody. People are doing it, and I think um, one of the things that um, I want people to think about, and I've been talking about a lot lately, is the correlation between mind and body. So everybody knows, I I would assume, maybe not, that black people are probably the most chronically ill people in in this country. Um, Hypertension, diabetes, uh, end-stage renal disease, all uh, congestive heart failure, cancers. And the reason why this is the case, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as a lot of research is kind of really bearing out at this point, is our mental and emotional space. We don't have any place to put this stuff down. Yeah. And so it has a direct impact on your on your physical body, mm-hmm. on your heart, on your cells, on your amygdala, the parts of the brain that we need to make the decisions and they're being worn out. And um, for instance, with trauma specifically, if you live in a neighborhood where you you know don't have the freedom to walk up and down the streets without something you know being liable to happen to you, um, that has a direct impact on on uh, your brain. Your your fight or flight should not be operational twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three sixty five. Right. And when it is operational all the time, because 
you can't afford to let it put it down, um, there's never any resting space for it, then you wear out your memory center, which is why we have higher rates of um, neurocognitive disorders like dementia, uh, Alzheimer's, and things like that. And so for me, a big part of this work is to have people understand that your mind and body are the same. They, they are nothing, they operate together. So if you are not dealing with what is going on in your heart and unpacking this stuff with a professional, or if you can't afford to do that, uh, finding a space, finding somebody to talk to, or join a yoga class, or finding a support group in your neighborhood that may offer these services. It's critical to being a, you know, having a healthy life, period, and, and being able to, to do the things that you want to do and create and cultivate joy and peace and, and those kind of things. It's just not possible to ignore or push down or repress all the things that are going on in our um, hearts. And I want to say this too, there is no understating of the impact of oppression and daily racism and microaggressions mm-hmm. on our mental health. There's no understating and how those things impact anxiety and depression. Um, there's just no understating of how oppression is definitely playing a role in uh, our emotional and mental disease, for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a rabbit hole to go down. That is yes, a hole to go down. Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> that's real. Thank you for that. I, I love the part where you talk about just reminding us that like our minds and our bodies are are, are one and the same. They they work together. And if you're not taking care of one, the other is going to suffer and vice versa. So yeah. I, I love that. That's very important. Yeah. Um, I, I want to kind of segue a little bit um, mm-hmm. back to for those of us who are parents like myself yana um Uh we both have two two daughters each two young daughters and um just want to gain glean some knowledge from you as far as how we can have the conversation around this change in the 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 pandemic that we're dealing with um with our children And and the reason why i ask you this is because um, my oldest daughter, she um, is nine, and the other night we were sitting down having dinner, and um, we're just kind of talking about, you know, the things that are prevalent in the news right now surrounding COVID, and she she said, I hate that word coronavirus, and I said, why? And she said, I just, I just, it just, it like, it, it makes me, it gives me chills, it gives me goosebumps, I just don't like it. Well, my youngest Exciting, daughter, yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, my youngest daughter being um, a free spirit that she is, well, she keeps saying it just to like agitate Aggravate her. her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where I was like, okay, that's enough. You got to leave it alone. So later on today, I asked her, I said, hey, like, what's, what's the deal with you, like, not liking the word coronavirus? She says, it's okay. You can say COVID-19. She said, you can call it the Rona, you can call it whatever, just don't call it coronavirus. And so I asked, I said, can I just ask you, hey, like, what's the deal with that? Like, why why don't you like that word? Is, and how does that make you feel? And she said, it just makes me think of, like, I, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get sick. And so I proceeded to kind of explain mm. to her in a little bit more detail. You know, hey, I understand that, you know, the 
the information that we're getting is that it doesn't look to be as aggressive towards children. We do want to stay safe, um, but I don't want you to worry about any of that and you're going to be okay. And she was like, okay, she was fine after that. But just how do we have this conversation with our children, with children who, like my daughter, was experiencing some anxiety um, just around like the little tidbits that she's been hearing, you know, from us talking or on the news or whatever. Yeah, and I would like to add, Yes. And I'll add to that, too, just from with my own daughter, you know, I have a 13 and a five year old and, you know, the 13 year old, she kind of under she understands kind of what's going on more. But with my five year old, just trying to even change, but get her mind around changing that we're having to kind of shift our behaviors a little bit and, you know, helping them understand, like, you know, you can't go visit your friend. Um, and trying to really break that down to them to their level of understanding why they can't visit their friends because they you know, they're still want to be kids. And how do we navigate that as parents and, you know, wanting them to be, a, you know, be safe. And, you know, we are definitely doing what we all we can to be proactive and being responsible, but still having to, you know, relay it in a way that's responsive to our children, but still being very careful with their mental state as well so I think I want to apply both of you for the way you're already dealing with it and I'm really gonna just say that that's what has to happen you have to have moms like you and dads like you and aunts and uncles and whoever's around talk to them um nine may it's it it is young but you know nine-year-olds understand 13 year olds do too but you know especially girls because that's my heart so (laughs) um Ask them questions. You know, <laughs> hey, why are why are you you know what what are you thinking about this? If they bring it up, like uh, Terry, I think you were talking about you, you're the one with the nine year old, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and you were just saying how um, she said that that that. And I'm so I mean, she's a pretty bright kid. She she was like COVID brings COVID makes it seem a little better than coronavirus. Yeah, automatically yeah. I assume she you know I'm. I'm I'm gonna get sick. I don't want to talk about it in that way. So right. that was really in, 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 in intellectual on her part to kind of make that distinction, right? Yeah, so she, yeah. you're doing a good job that, um, <laughs> with her. Um, but yeah, just have, being honest with them, um, talking about the fact that it's not really impacting younger kids, uh, young kids at this point. Yeah. Their demographic is. I just saw the, the the World Health Organization report the other day, and they're. I don't know that anybody has passed away or gotten sick in that age group. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, if it, and if it was, it was super low. Right. And that was across yeah. the world. Yeah. So talking to them about that, you know, hey, people your age aren't really getting this. Not that we don't want you to wash your hands and be careful. Right. Uh, but th- this is not really happening to people your age. Also, you know, if you're, if you see that um, your baby is, is struggling or babies are struggling, Doing breathing exercises with them, you know, okay. talking to them about deep breathing and talking to them about, you know, being, hey, you're here with me. We're in this place together and we're going to be fine. Like and reassuring them and making sure that they see you calm. Because, see, it's easy for us to tell them that when they hear you on the phone. Yeah. They see you drinking they they three glasses of wine per night. <laughs> They smell something funny coming from another part of the house. (laughs) Oh, you went there. (laughs) So things like that. You know what I mean? So make sure that you're 
that you're conveying calmness. And I want to encourage both of you too, with, and anybody who's listening with young kids, you know, that should be your, your motivation and, and, and empowerment to cultivate joy and peace in your own lives. Because mm-hmm. then it's coming from an authentic place when you talk to them. You see what I'm saying? Yes. You ain't, you're not going crazy one minute and then over there like, be, it's okay when they see that you that they already know, you know, mom ain't being authentic because I just right. saw her going crazy over there in another <laughs> room. So you want to make sure that this is a time that, that they that you're modeling for them what that looks like, what joy looks like, what peace looks like, and what being able to um, manage your thinking looks like, right? Because that's really, ladies, in a nutshell. I, and I, I want to say something, but I won't because it's not appropriate. But um, you can say it. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, you, you know, here's he, okay. I'm gonna be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this. Yeah. And I, and I, Lord, Lay it on the Lord, table. No, no. I thought you were about to say, listen, Linda. I'm like, right now, <laughs> if you can, but please speak honestly and truthfully. That's what this platform. So what I what I want to say is this, you know, therapy is great. Okay, it's mm-hmm. a it's a good tool to if you can have it. But there are parts of it to me that a lot of these theories and methods that are not useful. Because the bottom line is this, ladies. Everything starts in our heads. Every mm. thought that we have, every everything that goes on emotionally and mentally starts with the thinking. Yes. Okay? That's where it all starts. And if you can teach people how to, to watch their thinking and to literally be able to watch your thoughts and, and let them pass, right? Don't judge them. Don't jump onto them and hang on to them for dear life. If you can just manage to learn how to watch it, you know, let them pass and stay true to your values and your peace and your joy that you that you're cultivating with the practices of prayer, meditation, mindfulness and all those things. Yeah, your life will be very different. (laughs) So, again, I love therapy, but it really we just teaching people how to manage their thinking because all all we are as individuals are um products of our experiences right right and all of those formative experiences that we've all had become the glasses that we wear and we and, the, and how we see ourselves others and the world right yeah so yeah. and all the thoughts that we have are based on those experiences so what we're thinking comes from um what we were taught about who we are uh, our worth and all those things in our formative years, right? So then you put on these glasses and that's how you're looking at everything through that, which in turn becomes your experience of life. I'm saying that if we can just get our thoughts, just begin to really consciously watch them, watch the feelings that they create in our bodies and the behaviors that that leads to, you can change your life. You can. Wow. Yep. Would you say you journaling? You don't have to be in therapy for 15 years, talk about the same sugar, honey, iced tea, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, over no 15-year period to the same person. This is therapy and all those things only work if you're going to do the work of managing your thinking, developing and cultivating these practices 
um, that will help to create joy and, t- and and get you away from, you know, your thoughts start, whatever the worry is or the, or the thinking is that's problematic. And then you start with the feelings in the body and the ego on my behavior. So we could just, get, the thoughts start and we say, wait, 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 hold up. <laughs> I don't have to respond to this thought. I can, I can just let it pass. I can have it. Let it pass. Yeah. And then I can, I can reframe that thing and think about it a different way, right? And then those feelings change in your body. And then you know that your cells are no longer impaired. Your immune system is no longer impaired. Your cells are, are functioning as they should. Your heart and liver and lungs are doing what they need to do once I reframe that thought. And then my behaviors follow suit. They're more adaptive than maladaptive. So... That's that's kind of to me the big nutshell of it. That that's it. Wow. <laughs> Watching those thoughts and and seeing how the cultivation of of practices can help you really change um, your life and live uh, from your values um, and experience you know begin to experience radical joy and peace. In a nutshell, <laughs> Yana, do you have anything? No, I was thinking about when she was saying that the the one thing that kept coming to my mind was journaling, just journaling, oh, yeah. journaling through your experience. Because, um, you know, I'm a big I'm a big proponent for journaling. Terry knows this. I'm a, just I'm just a writer by by nature. So but, you know, I I constantly sometimes revisit my my previous journal entries and just see where my headspace was and just see the growth or see like how I've involved in my thinking and how that, like you said, I mean, it's true that, you know, your everything begins with the mind, you know, it, and I tell this all the time to both my husband and my kids. And that's why we, when I tell them like, you know, I'm very pro, I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, I don't want to say pushy, but I do make sure that we're very, we're being very proactive in um, stating our affirmations and really affirming each other um, and just really just trying to practice healthy thinking because even when, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a brain scientist and, you know, I don't have a, a degree, um, although I did consider therapy. I mean, being a therapist, but I was like, oh, that's a lot of school. Um, but no. <laughs> No, but um, I was just thinking like, you know, even when you are feeling at your lowest or, you know, things are kind of going bad, but when you just shape your thinking to just think of something good, even when you're feeling bad, it it does create a shift. It might not happen instantly, but if you continuously to train yourself, like you'll find like you'll you'll find that you're being very intentional about your thoughts because and and, and can you say that word again intentional intentional that's it go ahead i'm sorry (laughs) no no i was just saying you'll find that you're very you'll you become very intentional about the thoughts that you that surface because I'll have moments where I'm like, oh, I don't, I hate doing this. And then I'll be like, oh, catch, okay, stop. What you, you, did you hear what Jesus said? Change that. You're thankful that you're able, you're, you know, you might not enjoy this, but thankful that you're able body that you can get up and do this. So when you do, when you continuously stop and think about it and be in a, like I said, be intentional about the thoughts that you possess, it can um, over time change you um, in a mental put you in a better mental headspace I guess is what I'm trying to say and and that comes with practice and being in see the bottom line is you have to be intentional about your about your your 
emotional and mental space. Yeah. It's just you got it in spiritual space because all of that is mental, emotional, and spiritual to me are connected. Right. So you have to be intentional about that. Um, intentionality is is what's going to get you from one place to the next. Period. And so that's a word that comes up so much in my in my practice, especially in my consultation when I talk to clients for the first time. You know, is intention. Intention is I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to direct my attention to this. And so when you start talking about therapy and and, uh, strategies for mental gaining uh, good mental health and emotional health, it's being intentional about your your practices, journaling, you know, uh, prayer, meditation, mindfulness, yoga, body movement. Um, I think sometimes that exercising definitely to me yeah. is um, yes. it's a great strategy for for um, mental health uh, to improve yes. mental health because it, it, the endorphins and the serotonin increases and you just feel better. I call working out regularly an antidepressant. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm not a big medicine person. I do have clients who do take medication, and for some, and sometimes it's needed yes. for immediate kind of um stabilization right um but can we talk about that i know i'll let you finish your statement but can we talk about that too because destigmatizing that you know that it's okay that you know if medication is a part of your care plan that that's for a reason and it's okay i mean i want to table it for now because i want you to finish your statement but i do want to briefly touch on that if we can Sure. So um, just making sure that, you know, in the morning times, we all get up. We Well, let me say, I hope that I'm sure the three of us do. I can't speak for everybody. <laughs> I, I was just in a meeting with a, in a meeting for my I have a day job as a nephrology social worker. And I was in a meeting with a big monkey muck the other day. And he said in a meeting with his leadership team, be sure to wash your hands after you have bowel movement. And I sat there and I said, now, wait a minute. Is that the only time? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is this needed? <laughs> and so I called my mother after the meeting. My mother's like, yes, Lisa, because there's some nasty people out there. Boo, what I, oh, what I be saying. <laughs> so I was, I was, I, what I was getting ready to say was that every day I'm intentional about, and I'm sure you ladies are too, getting up in the morning, brushing your teeth, taking a shower, putting on clean clothes, you know, those kinds of things. You, you don't leave the house generally until you do those things. And you do them because you're intentional about them. Yeah. So mental health and mental health practices and strategies that I just keep talking about, so the prayer and meditation and mindfulness things, they have to be very much like that for us. Very much a part of the routine. And you're very, you know, people are just intentional about doing them in order for you, for them to work for you when you need them. In order for them to create the kind of inner life that you want to have. You can't do this stuff once a month and then come and sit in my office and be like, I don't feel better. Well, yeah. that's because you're not committed to it. Yeah. And I will, I tell people right up front in the consultation, if after a three or four or five months, I don't, we're in there talking about the same stuff and I don't see this, you know, that the tools that I'm giving you or that we're coming up with together are working then I'm going to refer you out because I don't have time to waste. I don't want you wasting your time. So I think it's really important that if you're going to go to therapy or do these things that you, you have to be intentional about your part too. 
if you want to feel better, mm-hmm. you know, medicine. So let me say this, because you're right. Uh, I'm not sure which one of you were talking about the medication, but Yana. Uh, there is such, oh my God. If I mention medicine to some of my clients, they their whole affect changes. Like they, mm. I can see them being like, I'm not crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, it's medic. There's so many different types of medication and so many um, milligrams, right? You don't have to go to a hundred milligrams of, of lithium, you know, unless you schizophrenic or, or something, but um, there is no shame mm-hmm. in taking medicine in a, like just like the immediate kind of now and future, right? To get you stabilized. So if you are having panic attacks, one, two, three behind, you know, one behind the other, can you go to work? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Can you take care of your children in your in your household? You don't go to work. No. So the only alternative for you would be to get some medication for the short term, so that they can manage your panic attacks. Work with me or another therapist to to start to create some other ways and other uh, practices that will help you in the long term. And the two combined will will get you to where you want to be. And I keep t- I tell people all the time you don't have to take this medicine from from now until you know eternity. Like you take it for a short time when you start when you when you feel a little more stable and able to handle your anxiety or depression then you ask the doctor to start to, to take you off or, you know, start weaning you off of the medication. There is the only shame there is, is in not getting help. Yes. That's the shame. Yes. There's no shame in taking medication if you need it. Yes. So I really, I, I hope uh, your listeners really understand that. And if you're working with a, a doctor and the one medication that you start taking, maybe makes you feel funny or zones you out, you can try something else. So it's not just one medicine out there. There's a whole bunch of uh, medicines and things that can help you. And if you want to, you know, do do it naturally, there are things that are out there for that too. There, there, there's acupuncture and uh, nap, uh, uh, naprapaths who do a, a bunch of wellness work. So you can go that route too. Yes, and for our, go. Did you have something, Tarian? No, I was just gonna backtrack a bit when you guys were talking about like the different methods of how you know how we can take care of our, our thoughts and Yanni you talked about journaling and um, Lisa you talked about like just going back into our minds and allowing ourselves to have have these thoughts but not letting them to basically you know take captive of our how we react or how we sure. uh-huh. do things in life um, every day and my two cents I just want to put in on that is that um, I, I agree with both of you guys 100% and just wanted to kind of piggyback on, on top of that Yana knows like I my faith is super important to me um, and I like to share it whenever I get the opportunity to be able to share my faith and just from the spiritual standpoint um, in the Bible Philippians 4 8 talks about having this peace that passes all understanding oh, yeah. but it's, yeah. it talks about you taking your thoughts and you thinking on things that are pure and, and true Yes. And that are yes. lovely. And so, you know, I feel like that just complements the things that you two both just said from uh-huh. a spiritual standpoint and being able to focus your mind on things that are good. And I, and I know that it's hard to do that, especially right now. But there's there's so much good, um, just the little bitty things that we can think about. Um, that happen to us on a daily basis. Being able to draw breath into our lungs, that's a good thing. Um, and so 
um, just being able to think on those type of things and from that spiritual standpoint and God will God allows you to have peace just from that standpoint as well so that's all Tyrion I, I, I couldn't agree with you more um, the Bible the Torah the Quran um, holy books uh, inspirational readings are also tools right to yeah. get to help you um, to help you cultivate that peace and I had not thought, I, I, I used to use that scripture all the time, haven't used it in a while. But, um, you know, my one of my things is, as a man thinketh, so is he. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever your thinking is, you become that thing. And, um, and that's what comes forth in your life. So yeah. if you're running around here thinking that this is, that we are now living, um, this is Armageddon and the world's going to end. Well, if that's where your thoughts are, your world will end. It will definitely yeah, end. Absolutely. I believe that our thoughts are can put you in heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. Right here on earth. I ain't waiting for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get, trying to be in heaven most of the time while I'm walking on this earth. <laughs> so that, that's, that's my motivation to be intentional about my inner work and, mm-hmm. my, and my practices. I want to say this. It's like if you want to lose 150 pounds, but you only work out um, once a month and you eat anything you want to. Why are you talking about me? You're never going to get there. (laughs) (laughs) You're never going to lose the weight. (laughs) So it's the same thing with your mental and emotional space. If you don't incorporate these practices and then be intentional about them, you'll never find the peace and joy that, that you want. You won't. You won't ever be able to create a space of peace inside yourself that you can always access and go back to. Yeah. So for sure. Oh, well, um, there's so much more that we could chat and talk through um, on this topic because I know I have so many more questions, but I know we're running kind of low on time. And I did have one final question as we get to our closing questions for the day. Um, we're kind of already a little bit talking about it and you shared some things, but what are some resources out there, um, and available for those that may want to talk to someone or get assistance to navigate through, um, even through this experience that um, is going on right now around COVID-19 or just things that they're just, you know, still unpacking with themselves and just going through life in general. So I would say um, we, have, we, we, we all have either an Android or iPhone at this point. Mm-hmm. There's so many amazing apps that you can just download to your phone. Calm is one. Mm-hmm. Headspace is another. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's one that I heard that a uh, a black young man created. It was in Black Enterprise. I can't think of the name of it. Oh, I think I but, saw that too. Yeah, I I don't, my my girlfriend has it. She said it's pretty it's pretty neat that she's downloaded to her phone. And these apps, you know, have um, different kinds of different modalities on them. So meditation, mindfulness, and other things that that you can access to help you uh, with your anxiety to help you cultivate the peace and joy that you want in your life. As, to, as it relates to therapy, I want to say this. There's a um, a great organization called the Open Path Collective. And I think it's openpathcollective.com where people can access therapy that will only cost them between 30 to $60 per session. It's all done on scale. 
on the sliding scale. And um, it's a great place to find therapy that people can really kind of afford. Also, um, Therapy for Black Girls is a great space um, to look for, for, you know, for for therapists. Uh, I'm I'm definitely uh, on her referral list. Oh, okay. Um, Now, yeah. Uh Um, And I get a whole bunch of, probably 40% of my practice is from that space. Okay. Uh, And for our listeners, just in case our listeners don't know, you're based in the Chicago area. Um, Do you offer resource? I mean, do you um, assist outside of Chicago or Illinois? You know, Monique asked me that today. And I said, you know, I I, I do virtual therapy all the time and I'm very open to doing it for somebody who is not necessarily in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to see how that looks in terms of insurance. I don't know. Okay, um, gotcha. But if they, if they were willing to pay cash, I, you know, could. I don't have a problem um, opening it myself to seeing somebody who lives out of town for sure. And all the things that I listed are the kind of spaces where you can find either people to help you kind of navigate, and unpack, you know, through uh, your stuff, especially during this time if you're having some real issues with anxiety. Also, talk to your PCP if you're, you know, if. If push comes to shove, right? Like right. you are so worried, you are so panicked, you are struggling. Call your PCP and tell them that, hey, maybe I need to take something just to get me through this because I'm really struggling here yeah. uh, with this. Uh, and I need to say this too, uh, ladies. If anybody is listening um, or, you know, and struggling with suicidal ideation or feelings that you don't want to be here, please, please, please reach out to people, reach out to your loved one, reach out to your pastor, reach out to the National Suicide Hotline, and I have the number. We'll um, add that in our show notes. Yes, Google and um, it's just if you put National Suicide Hotline, it'll pop right up. We'll um, but notes. yeah, please, 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 please reach out um, to to those spaces if you're struggling, and if really it gets bad, and you really you you have a plan, and call nine one one and go to your nearest emergency room. Yes. Safety is important. So, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, man. This is such a really, really good conversation. Um, and Lisa, we just thank you so much for, for joining us. Like Yana said, I think we, we could we could definitely talk about some, some more things, but we would probably be here for eons. <laughs> so... <laughs> We don't want to take up all the time. Although it's not like we got too much to do. It's not like we got anywhere to be. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> Our kids will be rolling up in a minute asking for their next meal. So. <laughs> right, right, right. right. No. But, um, but before we just kind of close things out, um, every episode we always ask um, the person that we're chatting with about um, if they have a word for 2020, and if so, what that word is? So, <laughs> we're just gonna you know, lay that out. And Lisa, do you have a word for 2020? And if so, would you mind sharing that with us and our listeners? Oh, one word. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, well, I think Monique gave us two. I would, I would say, I would say maybe a, so. 2020. I'm gonna keep it simple and say intention intentionality that's the word mm-hmm. yeah I, you know just being intentional about your mental and emotional space and i mean as intentional as you are about brushing your teeth every day be intentional about cultivating joy and peace in your life 
Yes. That is the only way to mean that we'll all get through this with our minds <laughs> um, and sanity is if we are intentional during this time of, of isolation, just using that time wisely to read inspirational things, you know, listen to meditations and, and beautiful music and journal and all those things. So be intentional. That's my word for 2020. Love uh, it. Yes, love it. Yes, yeah. I second that. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Are there any, so I know with everything that's going on, it's kind of put like a dagger in a lot of our plans and things for 2020, but are there any works that you have, um, special works or things that you have in store for 2020? I do, I do. So I want to say real quickly that I am working on a new project. It's called Sis Take That Cape Off. Oh. And oh. it's really about the super black superwoman myth. And how that cape has not benefited us and how it has impacted and impaired our ability to really find and cultivate joy and peace. And so we'll talk about the, the you know, why we, why, why the cape was created, how it may have been protective in some ways, but how now it is for the most part and has uh, impaired our ability to, to live our fullest lives. So for sure. I'm working on a bunch of on, uh, kind of um, stuff for online, like conversations and groups and things like that. Yes, we'd love to learn more about that. Definitely keep us in the loop so that we can stay connected with that. Um, so interesting. Just last week, we had another therapist on and um, she's more based in she's a mental weightologist. So hers is kind of more translating, you know, mental health care and how it translates to, you know, the physical pieces of you. And her platform is girl, get off the couch. So we're getting off the couch yes. and sis, we taking the cake off. So y'all just stay, yes. stay with us. We unpacking it all. I'm going to try. <laughs> for it. Yes. Um, yeah, did you have anything else? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, last question, Lisa. Um, can, can you tell us and our listeners how we can connect with you? Oh, sure. So you can reach me at www.lisa, L-I-S-A, Butler, B-U-T-L-E-R-L-C-S-W.com. That's my website. And through that, you can set up a 20-minute consultation uh, with me if you want to. You can reach me through, I, t- I talked about therapy for black girls. Um, also um, I'm connected with ZenCare, which is um, amazing referral uh, for therapists and they actually do a video of have you talking about you know what therapy looks like uh, with you so um, mm. those are the ways that you can contact me I don't have any business social media set up yet because I'm really I didn't want to set any up because I wanted to keep my social media space for me right <laughs> I'm setting up some, some stuff yeah because you know I, I wouldn't dare yeah. want my clients to be on my social media now because some things are just not appropriate, but understood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm working on doing that. But right now, my website is the best way to connect with me. Awesome, yeah. and we will link everything in our show notes for you guys. So yeah. just hop on over to that. Um, just go to melanatedconversations.com. You'll see. Um, Lisa's episode and you can click and have you'll find all the resources that we discussed today on today's show yes 
Thank you, ladies. I just want to say thank you so much for having me. And I'm really going to shout you out now that I know that you exist and I want to listen to you too. So um, this is, you know, definitely a mutual thing. I, I'm so happy to, to be a part of the community. I really am. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. We appreciate that. And you're always welcome back. So this is an open thank invitation. You. Um, Of course. Um, So again, to our listeners, thank you so much for always um, tuning in as we amplify yet another beautiful black voice. You know, our mission is always to share our stories of transformation, share our lessons and celebrate our successes. Um, And we have successfully, you know, accomplished that today. Uh, We hope that you will Listen to this episode more than once, share it with your friends and, you know, continuously tune in. And if you have a friend that wants to, you know, to join in on the conversation, please feel free. Um, we have time now. We're all at home. So, yes, we're, we're available to chat. <laughs> but um, anything else before we close out today, Terry? No, um, just once again, thank you to Lisa. This is this such a great uh, conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So very nice to meet you. Um, and I'm looking forward to all the wonderful things that you've got going on this year. Definitely be checking out your works. And uh, yeah, that's all I got, y'all. All right. Thank you so much. Well, we are. No, everybody wash your hands. Yeah, please. Please. Practice social Practice social distancing. And yeah. think of everyone and not just yourself. Because, you that's know. Nice. That's key. All right, you guys. So until then, melanate on that. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our chat today. Keep the conversation going by heading to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leaving us a review. Have a story of your own to share? Email us at info at melanatedconversations.com or connect with us on social media at Melanated Conversations. Till next time. Keep raising your voice.